Amen, amen, amen. Well, we're going to begin in verse of James chapter number one. We'll begin with verse number five. Now, verse number five is a, um, you, you can't separate scripture. Uh, you can divide it out rightly according to, to the apostle Paul, but you can't separate it. And, and one of the things that I want you to see is that the wisdom that James is talking about in this verse comes on the heels of what he spoke earlier. And, and that's a, a, a totally different sermon, but he's talking about understanding, understanding that God's got you even when you go into temptations. Even when you go into temptations. Um, let's just read it in verse number two, um, but we're not gonna get into it. We'll, get in, we'll read it for context's sake. Verse number two, my brethren, count it all joy when you fall into diverse temptations knowing this that the trying of your faith worketh patience it's a beautiful thing the trying of the faith of a saint of god the the trying is is not that god it's not god trying you it's not like god's trying to trip you the trying is speaking of refining or building up. This is the refining as a metal is refined. When, when your faith is tried, it becomes true. God will remove the imperfections in your faith walk by putting you through different scenarios. And those scenarios are never comfortable but if we don't go through them and go through them with the right attitude and the right heart, we're not going to have those impurities removed. There's times that we've got to understand that God's doing something. God will challenge us to love those that are quote-unquote unlovable. God will call us to be there for someone who's not there for us. Did God not tell us to love our enemies? He said, what thanks have you if you love those that love you? That's what everybody does. That's why the world's in the shape it is. But Christians are called to love even their enemies. And the greatest act of love that we can do is give them the gospel prayerfully. The greatest act we can do is get on our knees and pray for folks and share the gospel with them. But it is in our lack of praying for folks that we reveal our lack of love. Number one. And number two, the lack of confidence in God. Because see, faith and confidence are, are always going to be interlocked. Faith and confidence are always going to be interlocked because you can only put faith in something you are confident about. So faith and confidence go hand in hand. When God says something, if you believe it, that means you've placed confident, you know God's faithful. And if God said it, it's settled. And so whenever God says, even though you walk through the valley of the shadow of death, you should fear no evil, for I am with you. When God says something like that to you through his word, that's a promise you can hold on to. And you know God's faithful, that God is sure, and you can hold on to that whenever, when the bottom falls out. I know that you don't know what it's like for the bottom to fall out, but somebody somewhere does. Um, but it says in, in verse number three, it said, knowing this, that the trying of your faith worketh patience. Now, the beautiful part about faith, and I've heard somebody say, don't ever pray for patience. <laughs> Y'all know Job, right? Don't ever pray for patience. But the beautiful thing about patience is that it's connected to faith as well. Faith is connected to patience and confidence because if you know God said it and you've got confidence that he's going to perform it, you'll wait on it. You see how they're connected? 
Oh, God said it. I know it's going to happen. When? I don't know, and I don't care. He said it. I know it's going to happen. That's called patience. Patience is when you just set the clock on the side. Patience is when you no longer look at the clock. Patience is when you're not looking for the now season, but you're waiting on God's season. You're not looking at your timing. God better hurry up. I need this. I need that. But you're releasing it to God and saying, God, on your time. You said it. I believe it. I know it's going to happen. So faith, faith has to be founded on who your confidence is in. Amen. And that same confidence will breed patience. So this is what he's talking about here and why it's so um, beautiful. That's why he said in verse 2 that you should count it all joy when you go through struggles. Look, if, if, if life was a piece of cake, would you have ever prayed about anything? Right? But it is in those trials that you find God is where you're at. It's in those trials that you'll find that God has never left you and God has never forsaken you. It's in those trials that you find out God is faithful and he's true, amen, and that he loves you. Even when you act unlovable, God still loves you. It's in those times when you're broken that you find you're made complete at his feet. So that's why you can count it all joy when you're going through the fire. It didn't say to, to just sing zippity doodah. It said count it joy. That means it's not natural. It's an act of faith to say, God, I don't know why I'm having to go through this, but I pray, Lord, I pray that you show yourself to me in this. And I will count that for joy. I will count that for joy, Lord. Let me see that you are with me. Let me see your steps beside me. Let me see you leading me onward and forward. Lord, let me know that you are sustaining me and guiding me and giving me light in the night, in the midnight hour when I can't see and when everything's getting foggy to know beyond a shadow of a doubt my God has not left my side. This is a truth that Israel learned in the desert whenever God was bringing them out of Egypt and he came before them a cloud by day and a fire by night. When the cloud stopped, they were supposed to stop. Amen? And when the fire stopped, they were supposed to stop. But when it went, they were supposed to go. What was God teaching them? He's their shepherd. He's the good shepherd. He's leading them. He's leading them where they should go and when they should go. How many of you know it's good to know both of those? Amen. It's good to know both of those, where you should be and when you should be there. All right, so let's continue in this. It said, but let patience have her perfect work, that you may be perfect and entire, wanting nothing. That's the thing about patience is you, you're tired of it. Nobody... Nobody's ever just, God, give, you know, I just want to be, you know, I want more stuff that I have to be patient over. Because we live in a microwave society. We live in a cute, you know, uh, name it, claim it, Christianity that nobody wants to be patient on God. Nobody wants to say, God, give me some stuff to be patient over. You turn on the air, you want it on now. Right? And so it is in, but in that waiting that we become perfect. That, that The perfect, the word perfect in the Bible is not talking about what you think. It's not talking about that. It's talking about completion. It, it means that you will be who God wants you to be. You won't be misfiring. You won't be missing anything. This patience that we're talking about, it produces that in you. And it comes from wisdom. Wisdom, wisdom will tell you when the fire is getting hotter to ask the Lord to open your eyes. Wisdom. 
God, through wisdom, will give you an understanding of why you're going through a trial. God, through wisdom, will give you a supernatural understanding. Through his spirit, he will impart to you wisdom that defies the logic of man. And that wisdom comes from God, not man. We've seen earlier that there are two different kinds of wisdom. There's wisdom from the earth that is sensual. It is touch it, see it, feel it. And then there's wisdom from God. And it is pure and peaceful. Amen. So one of the things that we see here, though, is that when, when you get into that situation, it is incredibly important to ask God what's going on. Amen? When you get in a situation like Daniel, Daniel prays to God when they told him not to pray. Why? Because he needed wisdom from God. What was Daniel called? He was called one of the, most, one of the wisest of the most high God. Wasn't it? Daniel was known for wisdom. Joseph was known for wisdom. And yet what do we see Joseph doing throughout his life? Praying, asking God for direction. What about Jesus? He modeled that for us. He prayed. Oftentimes, he would recede, listen, by himself. He didn't bring Facebook Live into his prayer closet. He would recede by himself and get before God, get alone with God, and get serious. And in that, in that, we find wisdom. When we will get alone with God and seek it. But, but there's, there is a catch to this. This wisdom, it comes with a cost. Watch this. It says, if any of you lack wisdom, how many of y'all lack wisdom? Right? We're prone to do stuff that's not wise. I won't get into stories, but y'all, I know I could tell some stories on some folks in here, but there's times in our lives that we do things that just aren't the wisest decisions. And, and in truth, we have to remember that every situation and every circumstance we go through is an opportunity to get a new and fresh glimpse of God. And as we do that, we learn. We learn that God's in every situation. God's not just in church on Sunday. He's with us on Monday. Amen. Look, this is, how you this is how you take Christianity and change it from the Sunday to the Monday crowd. This is how you actually begin to live out and walk out your faith. This is inviting God into your day by day, not just your Sunday. So one of the things that we see here is he said, if, you, if any of you lack wisdom, let him ask of God that giveth to all men liberally and upbraideth not, and it shall be given him. The upbraideth is God's not going to tell you, now listen, this is the last time. God, God don't get tired of you. God don't get tired of you. You're his child. You're adopted into his family. You're an heir, a joint heir with Christ. You belong to the king. You're his child. And, and if, you ever, if you ever think about this, God doesn't upbraid you when you come and you ask for wisdom. God will never upbraid you for that. So what is the problem on our end? Well, we'll get into that in just a second. So the problem on our end, we'll get into that. But first off and foremost, let us set upon our hearts, say, God, when I get in a situation, Lord, give me the wisdom I need in it. You know that there are some people that go around and around the same mountain all their life, and they will keep going around the same mountain. There are some people you can, you can know you can know what they're going to do before they do it because they've been going around the same struggles and the same mountains in their lives forever. And only God can give them the wisdom to navigate over that. Only God can. Do you know the definition of insanity? 
is doing the same thing over and over and over and expecting it a different result. So when somebody's clinically insane, it just means they keep doing the same thing and they keep thinking things are going to change. At some point, we should say, okay, God, my way's not working out. Lord, I can't do this. Lord, I need some wisdom. Help me to see things from your perspective. And God may say, okay, stop hating your enemy. Don't you remember where I told you that? God may tell you things like that. But it starts out with this first saying, okay, Lord, it's not working the way I'm working it. I need you. I need you. And in all of doing this, all of this unfolds, all of it happens together where God's working in you patience, God's perfecting you, God's trying your faith, God's getting you to a place of dependence where you will allow him to guide you through this life. So don't have just a Sunday religion. God give you an everyday faith. And everyday faith for everyday battles. And everyday faith for everyday battles when we need it, when we need it, we know who to go to. You don't have to call up Dear Abby. Or you don't have to write into the newspaper to Dear Ann or whatever those things are. You don't have to go on somebody's question and answer thing. You've got the king, and the king's answering. The line's open for business. Amen? The line's open for business. But it takes prayer. It takes prayer. God, God is not going to move in the church world apart from prayer. And things won't change in our lives until we develop a deeper prayer life. Prayer is what moves mountains. Prayer, prayer will put you in a place where you will have boldness in the day of adversity like Daniel when he was told to pray to Nebuchadnezzar, not the God of Israel. And yet, he had the boldness to not only pray to the God of Israel, not only to pray to Jehovah, but open his window while he did it. Can you believe that out of all of the nation of Israel that was in Babylon, we only see four, four that did not worship Nebuchadnezzar? Out of the whole, only four. This is why, this is why I heard this, uh, somebody say this before, revival will never be popular. You know why? Because revival takes place in people of prayer. It's, it's, it is a people who hunger and thirst for God that will live lives of deep prayer that God will move in. Most people don't want that. Most people don't want that. Most people just want to be able to, uh, if their remote's not working, put in new batteries. That's the only thing on most people's radar. Um, so God doesn't upbraid us, but it says that he will give us wisdom. Verse number six, this is what I want to get into. Verse number six, but let him ask in faith. So if you don't have wisdom, all you got to do is ask God. And God doesn't upbraid you. However, if you don't ask in faith, listen, let him ask in faith, nothing wavering. For he that wavereth is like a wave of the sea driven with the wind and tossed. For let not that man think he shall receive anything of the Lord. A double-minded man is unstable in all, somebody say all, in all his ways. 
And I hate to break it to you, but all means all. You, we, we live in a generation that compartmentalizes their faith. We have this section where we give it to God and this section where we live for ourselves, this kind of section we live in front of our family, this kind of section. You know. But God looks at all of our lives, not just the compartmentalized part in our head. God sees all of us. We're all laid bare to God. So God knows those that are frauds, and he knows those that are trying, and he knows those that are his. And, and, and it's not for you to judge. <laughs> but, so, but understand that God knows, and listen to this. Listen, a person who's double-minded is unstable, not in some ways, in every way. This is a person who you can't, you can't count on them. You can't count on them. If they told you they're going to be there, you might as well not even show up. It's just the luck of the draw with them. And an unstable person you can't count on, can you? An unstable person is someone who is here today and gone tomorrow, who is not faithful but faithless. And see, we live in a generation of instability. We live in a generation where everything's changing all the time. People change. People, well, mostly because they're chameleons. But people change. People are one way one day and another way another. Amen. And one of the problems that we see is because this comes from double-mindedness. Double-mindedness will produce in someone a wavering spirit. This wavering that we're talking about is like the waves of the sea. Do you know how the waves of the sea are never calm? They're always billowing. They're always going. Do you know people like that that are always upset about something, getting into something, always doing this instability that is in them? It comes from their double-mindedness because God will never bless a double mind. And the problem with the double mind is because people have two different roads in front of them and they're trying to put one foot on each one. God calls us to live for him, to love the Lord your God with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength. Now, let's think about how we love God with our mind. This, according to Jesus, is the greatest commandment. The way that we love the Lord our God with all of our mind. Listen, this is our thought life. This is our thought life. This is living a surrendered thought life to God giving all of our thoughts to him, surrendering them to his will. Lord, if there's anything in me that's not of you, I repent of it. I reject it. I don't want it. If there are thoughts in our minds that are not of God, we have no business thinking them. And if we are, you must reject it in Jesus' name. You cannot stop thoughts from entering your mind, but you can stop harboring them. And the more you harbor them, the more double-minded you will grow because your mind will be going two different ways, the way you know it should go and the way your flesh is trying to get you to go. And so the, the reality of the situation is we have a task in front of us. It is spiritual warfare. This is a war that the devil uh, plays upon the saints. And when a saint of God becomes unstable or unstable, when a saint of God gets there, they're of no use. They're of no use to the kingdom advancing because a double-minded person being unstable, they're like the waves, can't do nothing. So let's, um, let's go over, if you have your Bibles, to, to 2 Corinthians. And we'll go to verse number, chapter 10. We'll start with verse number 3. 2 Corinthians chapter number 10, and we'll begin with verse number 3. Now, one of the things that we see is that this double-mindedness is the exact opposite of how we're called to love God, love him with all of our mind. 
And the reason why many people cannot love God with all of their mind is because they are entertaining thoughts that are contrary to God. They are harboring ungodliness in their mind. And the more that you do that, the more it's going to attach to the soul. The, the, the word of God says that we're to guard our, our hearts with all diligence for out of it are the issues of life. But the more you put things in your mind, the more you're, they're going to get into your heart. There may be things in life that you would never do, but the more you think on them, the more they're going to grow attached to you. This is why it matters. Listen, it matters what's going on in your mind. You have to love God with your mind. The war is there. One of the wars is there. In the mind is where it is. In the mind, that's where it is. And, and listen, you could, you could know a lot of scripture. You could go to seminary, cemetery. You could go to Bible school or whatever. But listen, if you allow ungodly thoughts in your mind, it will produce in you instability. In other words, it will render you useless for the kingdom of God. And too many believers today are rendered useless because we've allowed our minds to get filled with the gutter. And you might not think about the gutter most, but if it's not godly, it's the gutter. There's secular and there's Christian. There is no gray. And so when we begin to think thoughts that aren't of God, they will begin to corrupt our minds. Let's look in verse number 3, 2 uh, Corinthians chapter number 10. It says, For though we walk in the flesh, we do not war after the flesh. So the battle for a believer doesn't take place fleshly. It's spiritually. These are spiritual things, not flesh things, right? For the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but mighty through God to the pulling down of strongholds. Now listen to this, verse number five. Casting down imaginations. You know what an imagination is? These are those thoughts. These are those thoughts that enter into the mind. Those thoughts that the, the enemy brings into a person to deviate them from the plan and the purpose and the counsel of God. These thoughts, you know that there are times that the, that the Lord might be moving powerfully in a service and your mind might be on, well, why is that picture crooked? Who, is that a spider web I see in the corner? And the whole time that you're wondering about that spider web in the corner, God is moving and delivering and setting captives free, but somebody has planted an imagination in your mind and has kept you back from the power of God that was available to set you free. And when we allow these things to happen, when we allow these things to happen, we're unstable. Or unstable. Now watch this. In verse number five, casting down imaginations and every high thing that exalted itself against the knowledge of God and bringing into captivity every thought to the obedience of Christ. Do you know what that means? That means that if you're going to fight, according to Second uh, Timothy, the good fight of faith. If you're going to fight the good fight of faith, the weapons of your warfare are not a hammer and a sword, but it is spiritual. It is discerning when ungodly thoughts come into your head and taking those ungodly thoughts, it says, into captivity. 
to the obedience of Christ. Now, how does this play out in our lives? It's when an ungodly thought comes in, we immediately arrest it. We immediately arrest it, not entertain it. We immediately take it into captivity and we say, we weigh, listen, and this, is, this gets into deeper things, but you have to weigh every thought that enters into the mind through the word of God. And when you do that, when you filter it through the word of God, the Holy Spirit says, ding, 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 alarm bells, that's not right. And that's when you have an obligation to grab it and say, God, I don't know where that thought came from. It didn't come from my heart. I rebuke it in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, and I command that thought to leave in Jesus' name. This is how you take that thought captive to the obedience of Christ, is verbally saying, God, that was ungodly. That was ungodly, and I rebuke it in Jesus' name. And every believer that doesn't think this applies to them has already been assailed by the darts of the enemy because this is how or one of the ways that the enemy will render you powerless. Powerless because you'll be unstable for God. Now, one of the things that we got to see is how this relates to where we were in James because James was hinged or connected to counting all joy when you fall into diverse temptations because it's talking about the trying of your faith. So James is connecting this, asking God for wisdom and not being, uh, uh, um, not being wavering, not being double-minded. James is connecting them in this manner because... When the bottom falls out and problems arise, the enemy whispers sweet little nothings in the ear of every Christian. You are more at danger in those times than you know because when you go into those times of testing and trying, the enemy starts whispering. See, I told you you wouldn't make it. Those kinds of things. And this is when you need to be equipped. One of the jobs of the fivefold ministry is the equipping of the saints. And in that equipping, you have to have this. You have to be able to take those thoughts that enter in that are ungodly when the enemy whispers sweet little nothings in your ear. You have to have the ability to say, no, that's not true. That's not of God. And the more you do that, the stronger you'll get, the more you'll grow, and the more wisdom God will give you. That wisdom comes from God. It comes from above. And you have a role to play in this warfare, which is taking, as it says here in verse 5, taking these thoughts captive to the obedience of of Christ we have an obligation to do that and when we don't we begin to get like those waves of the sea see whenever troubles come there are some believers that can navigate through those things faithfully and there are some believers that cannot and then there are some of us that have good times and bad times there are some of us that you remember there's trials that you've walked through that God's gotten you through and you was Walking by faith, not by sight. But then there's other times that it's just been more than we could bear. And in all of it, it comes down to the enemy whispering these sweet nothings in our ear. And what it'll do is it will keep you back. It will keep you back from fulfilling the call of God on your life. Because I want you to know what God says is true. The Bible says, let God be true and every man a liar. So we have to, in every thought, in everything that comes into our minds, run it across, did God say that or not? Did God say that or not? Did God say that or not? And one of the things that we'll do, if you have, uh, let's turn over to Ephesians. 
chapter number six, real quick. Ephesians chapter number six. And look at verse number 16. And one of the things that we do is we have to believe what God says more than those thoughts that enter our minds. If you believe thoughts that enter your mind more than the word of God, there's, there's, you got problems. You got problems. And until you get to the point where you believe God's word more than what you hear in your mind, those thoughts, you're going to keep having a hard time. You're going to keep having a hard time until you get to the place of faith. Faith lifts up a shield against those thoughts. That's what it says right here. Faith. What is faith, by the way? How does faith come, church? Faith cometh by hearing and hearing by the word of God, not the word of man, not the word of dear Abby, not the word of my cousin, not the word of the devil, not the word of nobody, no how, nowhere, but only the word of God. That's where faith is produced. That's where our faith grows. That's where our faith gets stronger is when you get more of the word of God in you, then more faith will rise up in you. The less of the word of God you have, the less faith you have. And notice in this passage that we see about the, the armor of God, it says in verse number 16, above all. Isn't that amazing? Above all, do you think that that means, you know, well, this is kind of, you know, if you want to do it, you, you can, but you don't have to. If God says above all else, that means, look, if you forget the belt, if you forget the, if you forget the helmet, you forget the shoes, you forget all that, listen, above all, this is what you need to do. That means this is important because... If, if the enemy can render you double-minded, he's got you where he wants you. Above all, taking the shield of faith, wherewith you shall be able, you shall be able to quench all the fiery darts of the wicked. With the shield of faith, you can... You can, with the word of God in you, you can quench every fiery dart, every evil thought that the enemy launches at you. And the only way, the only way you can defeat the fiery darts is through the word of God. If you are leaning on your own understanding, you aren't going to stand very long. If you are trying to figure things out in your own mind, you're not going to stand very long. The only way anybody has ever been able to extinguish the fiery darts is through God's word. You cannot rely on the arm or the wisdom of men. Men are only, men are only as useful as they have the word of God in them. When someone doesn't have the word of God in them, don't trust them. Because they're unstable. They are at the wiles of the devil. You see, this is a, a situation where every single person, when we fall into trials, when we fall into temptations, let me just say it this way, when we're having a bad day, every single one of us have a bad day every now and then. If you don't, come on, don't lie. Everybody has 
bad days. And in those bad days, in those bad days, we're more, we're more in danger. We're more in danger. We're more vulnerable. We're more vulnerable to the fiery darts. And in those days, that's why it's important and crucial to have the word of God in you because when ungodly thoughts come into your mind, that's when it's so important to lift up the word of God. Why do you think that the Bible says when the enemy came in like a flood, he said, I will lift up, the spirit will lift up what? A standard against it. Do you think that there's any other standard in the Bible other than the authority of his word? There is no other standard. That's why I said, when the enemy comes in, lift up the standard. Lift up the word of God. Let the word of God be the be-all, end-all authority for our lives. Don't let it just be some cute bumper sticker. Get it in your heart. That was the wisdom that David was telling Solomon. Get it in your heart. Hide the word in your heart. That's why it's so crucial to have that because that's where the standard will be getting lifted. That's where when the enemy comes in, that standard begins to rise and you say, no. No. You got to have the word of God in you to be able to do that. You got to know what God said to be able to do that. You have to. And, and in order to do that, in order to do that, you have to ask God for wisdom also. You have to ask God for the wisdom that you need. Now, one of the, one of the things that I wanted to get into um, about this instability or this double-mindedness, one thing that I wanted to just kind of touch on is that every person who is double-minded, hello, Every person who is double-minded has no peace. Has none. In other words, they're like he said, the waves of the sea, uneasy, uneasy. When the, when the temperature rises, they rise. When the temperature falls, they fall. But when God's peace is on you, it gives you a sustainability. When God's peace is on you, you know his peace is in the valley and it's on the hill. When his peace is in you, listen, look, at, this is why Jesus said, my peace give I unto you, right? Not as the world gives, give I unto you. But you know what? The world can't take it from you. The peace that God gives his children, the world can't take it. So, so you can have peace, listen, you can have peace like Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego did. Do you think that their knees were knocking? They had made a determination within themselves that they were not going to reject God. They were not going to reject God, but they would honor God even if it cost their life. Amen. You know why? Because they had the word of God in them and they had inside of them at some point they heard, you shall worship the Lord your God and him alone. At some point they got that in there. And when the enemy came in like a flood, that standard rose up and they said, no, we will not defile ourselves. We will honor God even if it costs our lives. Because their mind was made up, because their mind was determined not to defile their walk with God, God put them in a position of going in the fiery furnace and not getting burned. Having the peace of God within them because the Son of God was with them. That's why they said, that's why Nebuchadnezzar said, hold up, didn't we put three in there? Who's that fourth man in the fire? Who is the fourth man in the fire? Oh, that's the captain of my salvation. Don't mind him. He's with me wherever I go. 
He sustains me and protects me and lifts me up when I'm down and he guides me through the night. He is my cloud by day and my fire by night. He will never leave me nor forsake me. I know if God's for me, who can be against me? See, that, that word, when that word's there, that standard rises up and when the enemy comes in and he begins to mess with the mind of a child of God, you've got to have the word of God in there so it'll rise up and say no in Jesus' name. Amen? Well, one of the things that you see is this instability that it, it's like the boat rocking back and forth. When people have no peace within them, they don't know what to do. They don't know what to do. The world craves peace, but they don't want to go to God for it. One of the, one of the things that you must understand, we had a little kind of end time sermon this morning, but one of the things you need to understand about the end times is that the Antichrist uses the carrot on the stick called world peace oh, apart from God. It's a carrot on a stick, and he's going to assemble all the nations of the world against Israel and Jehovah God. That's going to happen. Whenever you see anybody rising up against Israel, you know what's going on in them. And this carrot on the stick, this thought of world peace is what he uses. This is peace apart from the way God gives it. And this, every person desires this kind of peace, but only God gives it. There will be peace on this earth when all the enemies of God are vanquished. He said every knee is going to bow and every tongue is going to confess. There's going to be a new heaven and a new earth. Amen. And he is the prince of peace. And on his shoulder is every government. He will institute it. It will happen. And it's going to happen when he returns. But this instability in a person's life, when they don't have God, they don't. They don't know how to get it. They try to find it through drugs. They try to find it through alcohol. They try to find it through relationships. They try to find it through TV shows. They try to find it through food. They try to find it through clothes. They try to find it through any means possible except Jesus. And it won't happen until they call on Jesus. You see... It's an amazing thing that God gives the believer this peace. And um, we'll close with Isaiah uh, chapter number 26. Isaiah 26, one of my favorite verses. Isaiah chapter number 26 and verse number three. Beautiful verse, especially when you fall into diverse temptations especially when your boat's beginning to rock, especially when you're going through a hard time, especially when, when, when you know, things are coming against you. Isaiah 26, in verse number three, the Bible reads, thou, now, King James, thou, as singular, thou means you. Thine is the glory, thine is the kingdom, Thou, it's talking about one person. So understand who he's saying. Thou will keep him in perfect peace. Whose job is it to do it? Who keeps you in perfect peace? God does. Thou will keep him in perfect peace whose mind is stayed on thee because he trusted in thee. Our job is to keep our mind as one on God. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength. Mind. When you give your whole mind to God, not half of it, not just Sunday morning mind, not just, you know, this, this way, this way, this way, when you give the whole thing 
when you put your whole mind, then God, in turn, God, look, not you. You don't have to find your happy place. God will make a happy place in you. You don't have to find your happy shelter. You don't have to find your happy position. You don't have to find your happy person. You don't have to find your happy song. God will put a song in you. God will put a fire in you. God will put his peace in you. It said God will keep you in perfect peace if you will keep your mind on him. So no matter what we're going through, God promises to give his peace to those who have their minds fixed, steady on God. Love the Lord your God with all, not part, all your heart, all your mind, all your soul, and all your strength. And when you give God the mind like that, God will give you wisdom in the trial, peace in the fire, Peace in the fire. And God will cause you to be not instable, but stable. You know why? Because you'll be standing on the rock who never moves. The rock of ages. Who the wind and the waves beat upon, but it never moves. It is immovable, the rock of ages, the cleft. God will put you in when you put your mind on him. And that's a promise for every believer. Every believer. You don't have to live without God's peace. I didn't say you won't go through trials. I didn't say you might end up in Nebuchadnezzar's fire one day. I didn't say you wouldn't. But no matter what goes on, you don't have to go through it without the peace of God. It's yours if you'll keep your mind right and on him. Father, we thank you for this opportunity, Lord, to hear your word. And Lord, we pray that you would bless it. Lord, we pray that you would seal it in our hearts and in our minds. Lord, we pray, Father, that this word would yield a godly and fruitful harvest 